you know, I, I watched my parents and my, my dad was, was an investor and not, not a big time type of thing, but he's always talked to me about being, being self-reliant and telling me things like, you know, nobody cares about your money more than you do. So take care of it yourself. So that's kind of all where it got started. I, I'd watch him and my mom. And like I said, they, 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 you know, they were kind of lower middle class or middle class. And, and I just wanted more than that. I wanted to do more things and go, go see more stuff. So I've just always been really conservative to try and try and keep putting money away for that day when I, you know, hit my mid fifties. And, and, and the weird thing is now I'm there and I, I'm one of those guys that feels like he's 25 and I, and I'm, I'm having a hard time getting, getting, grasping it that I can, you know, I can walk away anytime. And, uh, that's just, it's, it's kind of hard to believe. You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 198. Clark, how's it going? What's going on in your world? Going well for me. We just did a few interviews tonight. Uh, a few people over, what, a couple over three million. So fun to get different perspectives from those people. Yeah, we had one over ten. So definitely got a, so many good ones coming in the pipeline. But always looking for for great millionaires and great stories. We are getting so close to two hundred, man. And I know we've been talking about this for a little bit, but we are super pumped for that. Also of note, we're going to be headed here to a conference. And uh, we'll be producing a lot of great content. It can be some bonus content uh, from from that conference. We're going to be hanging out with a bunch of millionaires, diving into some some quicker stories uh, and some quicker questions. So if you're interested, having a question asked to you know a room of millionaires and having each of them answer, I mean, I don't know how many we're going to be able to get to, but it'll be quite a few. If you're interested, and these guys, I mean, their their net worths are all over the board, one million to over a hundred. Uh, if there's a certain question that you'd like us to ask uh, to several of these millionaires or as many as possible, the same question, we're going to try to keep some of these, you know, shorter than we have in the past on our typical Monday releases. Send us an email, millionairesunveiled at gmail dot com, uh, and we will ask that question at that conference here coming up here shortly. Yeah, looking forward to that. So I think it'll be, what, like 10, 15-minute interview, 10 minutes probably with each millionaire. So it'll be, you know, how'd you become a millionaire? What was your job? What's your net worth? What's been your savings rate? Rough allocation. As we were talking tonight, I thought a, a good one might be percentage given to charitable contribution, charity, right? Charitable yeah. contributions, percentage of income or percentage, yeah. So yeah. anyway, lots of different directions. So it's gonna I'm going like to do kind of a, a rapid fire. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be like millionaire speed dating almost. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for that. You know, you and I are chatting just a little bit. Some things making the rounds, you know, as we've seen the markets get to all-time highs recently is the potential of a 40-year mortgage uh, making headway in the, 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 the financial world. Kind of interesting. You know, think about we've had the 30-year forever. Obviously, there's 15. There's some banks that will do 20, 25 man, things would go nuts if we went out to a 40-year mortgage, don't you think? Yeah, and I, it's funny, right? Like, I wonder, I'd be curious to see the stats on how many people stay in their home for 40 years. 
can't be many, especially oh, like especially now. I mean, yeah. maybe maybe ten twenty years ago it was more common, but I think with millennials growing up and wanting to move around and experience different things, forty years a long time. Yeah, no, it's uh, you know I I think it's been around a little bit. Forty years I mean, some banks are it's just not been something that's as common. But there's you know we're we're in the middle of coronavirus pandemic still a little bit, and we've got. Several of these people that, you know, have had complications with paying, you know, medical bills from COVID and or just in general, loss of job or whatever. And so there's there's a lot of heightened discussion now about how to give more relief. And, you know, and some of these things, obviously, the federal government's been sending payments. I think they just recently they accelerated the uh, child tax credits and they're now now giving people essentially cash monthly uh, instead of waiting for that credit to basically be awarded to you when you file your tax return. So, it, real interesting. We'll have to see how this 40-year, if it becomes something that is more mainstream or, you know, if it just is kind of a talk to, hey, maybe this is something that we could u- utilize to help some of these people. But it be interesting to see what happens for sure, definitely as we move into the, the fall months here. Uh, back to school and we've got a lot of great things coming up for the show here obviously this conference this month and then uh, we've got a few, few few more things in the works so super excited about all that this week clark we've got john he's got a net worth of 4.2 million he's 55 married with adult children he's paid for a house worth just over a million dollars a rental upwards of seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, and over a million is retirement event right retirement accounts the rest is in brokerage and cash and some other he talked about teaching his kids about investing and the decisions that they've made now that he's seen and things play out in their life and his journey with all the different mistakes he's made all along the way. So super exciting interview with John. Real appreciative of his time to lend us and, and get into his story and what he's done over the years. And I think a lot of people will definitely resonate. Uh, you know, as one we were discussing a little bit with him too. We haven't had a lot that are approaching that age of retirement or staring at that retirement in the mirror like he has, where he has basically gone through all these life cycles, different different decades. Obviously, he's gone through the OA crisis and the dot com bust and. You know, I think he mentioned that he started out making like $18,000 when he was, you know, and this is in the early 90s. So, great interview with him. Last week, we had Graham and Abby. Their net worth was just over a million dollars. Most of that was in the retirement accounts, their 401ks, IRAs, HSA, et cetera. About 80000 in a brokerage and a paid-for house. They used to be landlords but sold their rental properties. They're in their 30s and 40s. And the interesting note about them, they lost about 15 and 20% of their portfolio at the, the beginning of COVID, but have stayed the course and committed their plan. Appreciate you turning into the podcast week after week. We'd love for you to leave a review on either iTunes or Stitcher. Also, if you're interested to be on the show, send us an email at gmail at millionairesunveiled at gmail.com. Also, we're going to have several investments here coming up in the pipeline. If you're interested in those, uh, reach out to us and we'll get on a call and, and go through our process with you. Without further ado, let's get into this episode with John. John, do you want to just give us a little about your background and what you're up to now? Yeah, so I'm uh, 55 years old and uh, I've been selling advertising for my entire career since I got out of college. Numerous different things with uh, print products and digital products, that type of stuff. Been married for 27 years and uh, live here out in the Pacific Northwest near Seattle. Awesome. And what is your net worth today? My net worth is about 4.2 million. Wow. And how is that broken up? 
Well, my house is a little bit over a million, maybe 1.1. Our, uh, our, we have a rental, a condo that's right next to Microsoft is, uh, Zilla puts it a little over 800. My 401k at works a little over half a million. Uh, then we also have another 800,000 in IRAs, Roth IRAs, rollover IRAs, that type of thing. And then maybe another 100 grand in, in brokerage account. And then some other, you know, just savings and CDs and that type of thing. And the real estate's all paid off? All paid off, yep. When did you pay off the real estate? So the condo, the rental we paid off for a number of years ago, probably maybe 10 years ago. And the house we just finished up about right before COVID hit, actually. I think it was in February or something of that sort. Did you end up paying both those off early or were they on 15-year mortgages or what? Well, we ended up with the house, uh, you know, starting off at the 30, rates were still almost 8% when we first bought it. And uh, as rates kept dropping, we'd, we'd refi. I think we refied to another 30 one time, and then we refied to a 15, and then to a 10, and added our condo into it because uh, on the rental, at least here in Washington, you can't write off the interest, but you can for your personal home. So we rolled that money into our into our house. Interesting. And then what is that condo roughly rent for now? Rents for about 20, was it about 2,300 bucks a month. Wow, that's pretty amazing. And your costs on on that are not not high, I'm sure. Washington's pretty low property tax and then maintenance and stuff on it. Yeah, it's um it's not too bad. We we probably net like thirteen hundred, fourteen hundred a month on that. Awesome. So you buy this condo a, a while back. Why did you not keep buying more and more real estate? You know, when we bought we bought the condo right before we got married, and um and then maybe two years later we bought our home, and it was. It was such a struggle to buy a home and to and to keep the condo as a rental um, at that time. And just being, um, you know, getting into real estate, one one property just kind of seemed like enough for me. I, I thought about buying more and I ended up putting more money in our retirement funds really than than buying property. It's kind of just what I knew. Interesting. So let's shift gears here a little bit. You mentioned you've got quite a bit in 401k and, and workplace retirement. When did you start those plans? You know, I started I started the first one in my 20s, but being a dummy when I was about 28, I, I changed jobs and took it all out and spent it. So I learned a big, big lesson there. I regret that move. So I really got started at about 30. Uh, my wife had a little bit more in her 20s, not, not too much, maybe 30 grand, something like that. And uh, so we really got pumping once we got married at about, but we were both around 30. And has the strategy always been the same in terms of what you invested in, what kind of funds and how much you put in every year? You know, we started off, we always kind of believed in the, at least put 15% of your income in and then in your 401k and then max out our IRAs as well. And, and IRAs in those days, when we started out, were only about $2,000 a year that you could put in. So as that moved up, we, we just kept maxing those out. Uh, the IRAs, and then uh, putting at least 15% into our 401ks. I don't think we really ever hardly maxed those out until just a few years ago, but it, um, but it shows that if you're, if you're just steady, you can still attain pretty good wealth. And have you always maintained the, the cash position, or I guess, you know, in terms of liquidity relative to your net worth where it is now, or has that evolved over time as well? No, I've always kept a little bit of cash. We've liked to have some just in, well, obviously for emergencies here with us, kept cash for um, a little bit of money, fifteen to 20000 for our rental, just in case the water here blows out and 
other stuff goes wrong because of that or you know any type of thing. We've, we've been kind of conservative with that. And then just to have some cash for when there's when there's buying opportunities in the market as well. So does that mean you put in a lot during COVID the last year and a half-ish? I actually did put a lot in during COVID as much as I could. But I also realized now that I have a little higher net worth that my asset allocation was a little bit heavy towards stocks. I was 80-20 for, for quite a long time. So when the market popped back, I started to move a little more back into bonds. So now I'm 70-30 and I just I just feel a little more comfortable that way. I, I, I didn't realize it until uh, until COVID hit and the market dropped like a rock and I lost probably, you know, six, seven hundred thousand in a pretty short amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was an uneasy feeling, but I kept buying during it. I'm like, I yeah, but now it's up. all now it's all back up and more. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, I was look tracking my investments from last September and um, and plus what I put in, I'm up over four hundred thousand since then. And and you've got what is it like? I mean, you're one point three between four hundred one k's and IRAs about. So you got maybe one point four, one point five in the market or so. No, I've got about two point four in the market. Oh, two point. Oh, so you have others in just traditional accounts. I missed that. Oh sorry. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've kind of just grouped them all together. All the you know some okay. old four hundred one k's that have been rolled over and Roth IRAs and traditional IRAs and that type of stuff. Okay. So if you're if you have two and two, two and a half million dollars in the market and yeah. I mean, why not stay at eighty twenty or even ninety ten or even a hundred percent stocks, knowing that if it drops fifty, forty percent, you still have one point two million dollars and eventually it probably comes back and you have this cash flow from the real estate. Right. Yeah. I think as I'm getting closer to retirement, I just uh, my wife and I have um, just decided that we like to keep a little more a little more stable kind of helps us just feel better about it, I guess. Um, that's that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a good no, question. It, 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 well, it's easier said than done, right? It's easy for me to sit here and <laughs> behind oh, the absolutely. screen and tell you <laughs> what to yeah. do. Yeah, I mean, you can tell me that, but when I watch my you know investments drop 600 grand in about six weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It scares the heck out of you. So, so the real estate, over $2 million between the two properties, right? You're right, yeah. Does how does that make you feel at fifty percent of your net worth? That's fine. It's fine. Yeah, we. I. I. I really can't believe it. To tell you the truth, that it's that's that much now. Just the way uh, the market has gone in the Seattle area and, and prices increasing, it's it's really quite spectacular. And what did you buy both of those at? Do you remember? So the condo that we rent, um, we bought that for around ninety thousand. Um, wow! How many years that, ago? Oh boy, that must have been in. Uh, 25, 26, 27 years ago, something like that, 28 years ago. And then the house, our home, we bought for, I think it was for 190. Um, and that was about 25 years ago. You bought it for 190,000 and it's worth how much now? Well, if you believe Zillow, it's worth a little over 1.1 million. Wow. And the neighbor's house just sold, which is a quite a bit smaller than ours for a little over a million. So I'm I'm pretty confident that number is actually pretty pretty much on the money. <laughs> wow! So does it make you want to sell either of these properties? You know, we're we're not yet. You know, we're patient. We're waiting for my my son's a senior in in uh, college. When he's done next May, we're we're you know we'll start looking at some things, and uh, then one of one of these might go. So, how much of your net worth, John, is from contributions that you made? money that you personally put in or from appreciation? Is most of this from appreciation and just 
continually grinding and putting money in the market and obviously letting the real estate appreciate? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we, we, like I said, we really haven't maxed out our 401ks. You know, like I said, we put at least 15% in. I put in 20% now. But um, yeah, this is mainly appreciation and uh, some nice matching over the years and that type of stuff. Yeah. So let's talk about that. What did, what did you do? You said you always put in at least 15%. So did you always do that right from the start? And is is that all you saved or was there more in cash? How much did you see? What was your savings rate? My savings rate has been probably more around a little, maybe around 20% or a little bit more than 20%. Because I, I like to have, like like I said, when there's buying opportunities, I like to, uh, we're not supposed to time the market, but I like to time the market when it's down. That's for sure. <laughs> and the, <laughs> it the just 20, makes me feel kind of good. <laughs> and the 20% is is gross on your take home or net, I mean, net on your take home or gross or what? Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it comes right off the top. So, but now, I mean, that's kind of been over the years. Now I'm probably saving, I, I say more like 30% now. 30% of your gross. Yeah. Okay. And normally we ask this at the end, but just so we can get an idea of how much that is that you're saving, what's been your range of household income as you through your working life? Right. Well, it's it's gone from very small. I mean, my first job, I probably made eighteen thousand dollars back in the back in the nineties. Last year, I was over a little bit over one hundred twenty-five thousand. My wife had lost her job during COVID, but then started back working again in uh, I think it was November or December, and she she's at about a hundred thousand. So, you know, we've gone from from pretty small years ago up to a little over 200,000 for a while. Yeah, good for you. Yep. yep. And how did this all start, uh, John? I know that you said your dad had an influence on, in teaching you personal finance. Is that where you started learning about all this? Yeah, you know, I I watched my parents and my my dad was was an investor, not not a big time type of thing, but Enough. We talked about, you know, we talked about Vanguard of all things. And, and, you know, that's where he was into, you know, low cost mutual funds and uh, keep your expense ratios down. And he always talked to me about being, being self-reliant and telling me things like, you know, nobody cares about your money more than you do. So take care of it yourself. So that's kind of all where it got started. I, I'd watch him and my mom. And like I said, they, 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 you know, they were kind of lower middle class or middle class and, and I just wanted more than that. I wanted to do more things and go go see more stuff. And uh, you know, luckily I met a wonderful, wonderful woman, and she had those same kind of goals. And and uh, thankfully, I married right. Yeah. So, do you do more stuff now, or is it hard to spend the money? Um, you know, we we took a big trip to Europe a couple of years ago, so that was good. I think our travels kind of been fairly the same as it has been in the past, but it's. Uh, I think maybe we do. We might spend a little more on travel than you know the way we used to. We we're we we're pretty frugal, but we're we're still kind of the same way. Actually, you know, the more I think about it, we're kind of the same way. <laughs> so net net worth of over four. How much do you spend on a vacation? If you go to Europe, how much does that cost you? Uh, I think that cost. I mean, we went to Arizona in May, and that cost us about eight thousand for ten days. So I that's mean, how many people you're paying for kids too. Yeah, our, our adult kids came along. Like I said, one's still in college. So, but we we also were generous to our to our daughters as well. And yeah, we paid for all of that for all four of us. So. That, that's a lot for it for ten days, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But we, you know, I like to have fun and go do stuff and play golf and uh, you know eat at nice restaurants and, and back here on vacation. I don't uh, let yeah. it rip a little bit. So how do you do? 
How do you do that with kids, John? Do you make, if you guys are going on vacation, do you have them pay to get there? Do you have them pay for anything? How do you do that with family now that your kids are growing up a little bit? Yeah, it's it's funny. We were just having those conversations of uh, our daughter will definitely be paying um, her own airfare. We're doing a short trip to Utah, Ember, and, and, you know, she's going to help pay for the hotels and that type of stuff. Our son, since he's still in college, we, we still cover him, but as soon as he's out and has a job, he'll, he'll be paying for his own stuff as well. You know, that's, uh, there, that's why, uh, that's why we raised them and paid, paid for their college and, uh, and they can, they can start taking care of things on their own. So you, you paid for all of college, including room and board? Yeah. Uh, we've paid for all tuition and room and board. They had to pay for their own expenses and, and books. Okay. Gotcha. So tell, let's back up a little bit here. Tell us about your story. How are you, you said you were born middle-class family. You talked about your dad a little bit, but what's your story? I assume you went to college. Yeah, I went to, um, I went to Washington state university. And, uh, like I said, I've been in, been in advertising my whole career. I, you know, wasn't the smartest guy in the world. I had a, you know, like a 2.7 out of college, but, uh, luckily I could sell. And uh, I was willing to listen and learn to some pretty good mentors. And, you know, that helped me grind away at this career to make it. John, how did you choose to go into selling advertising? You know, it's funny. I, uh, I was in college and my, my goal was actually to be on air. I wanted to do something with TV or radio. And that's what I went to school for. And my, uh, my advisor talked to me about having to start off in little tiny markets like Pocatello, Idaho and stuff. and that, he goes, you know, if that doesn't uh, turn your crank, then you might want to look at selling advertising. You can go to a lot of different markets to do that. There's a lot of different products. He goes, and quite frankly, you'll make more money than you would being an on-air talent because it's just, you know, it's tough to get into big markets doing that. And I thought about it. And I go, God, that really kind of makes some sense. And uh, so I moved forward from there. Interesting. So as you've gone on this journey, I mean, most of many of our guests we've had on here let's just say 30s, 40s has been kind of more of the typical. We haven't had too many in their 50s where they've kind of gone through all these career cycles, the kids, all that kind of thing. If you had to look back on, you know, the last 30 years, call it, and, and, and in your mind, tell somebody, hey, these are the most important ways to allocate your dollars throughout your working life. What would you tell them? Well, I definitely definitely tell them to put at least, I mean, like I said, I did 15% or around 20 to at least put that away. Uh, make sure you always get your match at uh, your 401k. I probably have a little bit too much in my retirement funds where I should have saved on the, you know, more in brokerage accounts and that type of thing as well. Um, so I've been advising my my kids on that, actually. And, you know, when you're young, put a lot in a Roth too and, uh, and pack it away that way. But, you know, if you can... If you can make it in your in your twenties and get quite a bit of a nest egg built up, you know, compound interest works magic, and uh, and uh, you know that's what I advise people to do. That's what I advise my advise my kids to do. Put as much away as you can when you're young, and, and just watch it grow. What, what about what about allocating towards housing and vacations and other things that that might take our money? What what level of importance do those things play, f- and have they played for you and your family over the last 25, 30 years? Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, we always have gone on vacations. You know, we do a lot of, of three, four day stuff, but every year we at least do one vacation and say 10 to 12 days long. 
I'm, I'm a real believer in that just to, to check out of your, you know, your, your business life and try and get away from everything. Um, and to go enjoy some, some beautiful places in this country and, and around the world. Um, so don't be so, don't be so frugal that you're not going to live and, and see, see neat things and do fun things and, uh, you know, to, to really enjoy your life. So I, we, we've always made a, that's kind of in our budget that we do it every year. Um, housing wise too, you know, we don't, we didn't want to have too big of a house. We saw peers, some of them buying really big houses. It costs a lot of money and it was, they were, they were kind of married to their house and we didn't want to live that way. So we made sure that we, you know, bought something that we could afford that wasn't gonna, wasn't gonna kill us. And if one of us lost our job, we'd still be able to, uh, to make the payments and, and to, uh, and actually to keep putting money away as well. So, um, just to be, I think we just made good decisions that way. What about cars? <laughs> I love cars. You know, we, we, I, I, when I was younger, I went through a lot of cars. I probably every three, three years or so I'd buy a different car. I never bought new cars until I was, boy, I think I was just getting ready to turn 50, right? I was in my late forties and I finally bought a new car. But I always bought used, bought nice used cars. You know, I had a midlife crisis in my late thirties and bought an Audi. And that was, that was great. Best car I ever had. So I hate the, the prices for uh, repairing it were just brutal. But, um, but I've kind of learned my lesson on cars and, and, uh, you know, I've had this, this one I bought new, I still have it. It's, uh, what is it? Almost, almost seven, I guess it's seven years old now. So I've gotten under control with cars. Is is that the one item that you typically would splurge on or like to splurge on or have ambitions in, of splurging on in the future? Yeah, that's definitely something I would, I would look at and that well, actually more travel than anything, but I, I like to drive now that I have a, when you have a car that's loaded, it's really, you, you don't want to go back the other way, but I, I would still buy a used car for my next car. I, I guess it's becoming less important in my life, but it's, it's still fun. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Do you fly first class? Hardly ever. travel? No, no. I think the next time we go to Europe, we'll at least go business class though. Cause riding coach to Europe a couple of years ago was kind of brutal. Yeah. What about what about no, the hotel evolution? You mentioned you just spent eight grand on a trip to Arizona. Were you staying in those kinds of hotels and doing those kinds of experiences when you were, you know, in your thirties? Um, actually, we were because we uh, we we broke a lot of people's rules and bought a timeshare through Marriott in Kauai. And uh, so every year we have our you know couple grand that we pay for our timeshare. Then we go to a beautiful resort. The, the one in Kauai is just incredible. It's probably. 450 500 bucks a night there and um, you know that goes into our our costs our vacation costs um, so we do stay at nice places that are you know almost like an apartment really because they're usually two bedrooms is there a place that's been the, the the favorite or the most memorable well I think Kauai is really one of our favorites we love going there because the island's pretty mellow it kind of shuts down at night and there's it and that's fine because we're there to relax and but to have fun during the day and be, you know, do physical things. And, and so you're kind of tired after dinner and, and that, that works out well for us. My wife and kids have been to Europe more than I have. So that was my first trip a couple of years ago. And I'm, I'm really jonesing to go back right now and, and really get it back into Germany and watch some, watch some high-end soccer games and, uh, and to travel through Austria and Switzerland and that type of thing. Cool. John, let me ask, do, do your friends and family know of your wealth? You know, I have... Maybe two friends that I talk to about money, so they know about it, and and both of them, one of them probably has twice as much as I do, and he's a little bit older than me, and the other one had probably has oh my god, he's loaded, he's just ridiculously wealthy. 
So I always felt comfortable talking to him about about investments and stuff because he was so much more above what I have. But um, but I keep it no, I keep it to myself. You know, that's I think that's the best way to do it. How did those conversations come up with those two individuals that you, you know, I guess maybe had discussions on investments or looked for mentorship or however you want to define it? How did those conversations start with them? Well, the one who is very wealthy, um, I knew about his wealth because of his family. So I just felt I just felt really comfortable bringing up money things. You know, when I made when we made it to a million, I was so proud to tell him because he was the one guy that would go, oh, that's cool. You know, I already have 30, but, you know, that's the, <laughs> so, that, so, so, you know, I just felt really comfortable with him. Just like I said, because of his wealth, it was it was easy. The other guy, I was kind of in a uh, we worked together and we split a, an investment newsletter together that we kind of followed. And uh, like I said, he's about maybe 10 years older than me. And I think one day he brought up how much um, he had in his investments. And I thought, well, if he's comfortable saying that to me, I should be comfortable saying that back to him because we were good friends. And uh, we, we still, you know, we go to a, a baseball game every year and and, uh, and talk about, that was one of the things we always talked about. Where are you? Where, you know, where are you at financially now? And and uh, so those are kind of my two people that I have close to me that that I'm willing and I really feel comfortable with talking talking about money. Otherwise, I keep it, I kind of keep it to my myself with a little Sly grin on my face. <laughs> That's neat to have a good someone you can talk to about it, though. Oh, I think it's really helpful. I wish I had more people. It's you know, it's been sometimes it's frustrating because I I have you know certain ideas that I want to run past people, and I actually had a guy I worked with that got laid off when COVID started. We so I guess I actually had three people, and he he was comfortable with it too. So, um, but I still like I said I wish I had a few more um, just at different phases in their lives to, uh, you know, to, just to feel comfortable around and just run ideas by and, and figure out when to, when to pull the trigger on, on retiring and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So did it surprise you that you got to over 4 million, John? Yeah. You know, my goal was always 1 million. Then we got, we got to that and it, it was, it, you know, it really wasn't that big of a deal. I think we had a couple of beers and that was in, had, had some tacos and called it good. And, kept going. And, uh, you know, then we hit 2 million and it was the same thing. So I think we moved to chicken wings. So, uh, <laughs> it, it, that, that, that might even be cheaper. <laughs> it probably is. Well, they're homemade. So I, I, I look at it now and we've kind of figured out that with the type of travel, we'd like to really do some extensive travel. So if we can, you know, be able to pull 120,000, or so out of our investments every year, then, then we could we could live pretty good. So we're we're almost there. Yeah. How much do you think you'll need to spend, or how? Yeah. What will your household spending be annually? Well, we think it would be one hundred twenty thousand. But like one of my buddies that I was at, like one of my financial buddies I was talking to, he goes, "I think that's high." But you know, we have a spreadsheet with everything in it, and you know, even when when my son's out of college, we're still. You know, there's a lot in taxes, a lot in, in insurance. Uh, obviously, some of those things will drop when I get a when I get a 21 year old off my car insurance. That'll help. So it's you know I hope our expenses are lower. So with that, thinking that the goal was one, and now you're at 4.2 ish, and it's obviously going to keep growing here. I don't know when when you plan to retire. Do you look back and say 
gosh, if I knew if I would have if I knew I would it was going to make it to over four million dollars, I would have spent differently, or I would have done more of this, or I would have done less worrying. Or do you look back at all and think that? You know, I kind of look back and go, you know, I have worried because you know there's been job losses and or things where things just weren't going well financially. You know, maybe you weren't making the money you thought you would, and there's just been you know life has ups and downs in it. So I've just always been really conservative to try and try and keep putting money away for that day when I, you know, hit my mid fifties. And, and, and the weird thing is now I'm there and I, I'm one of those guys that feels like he's 25 and I, and I'm, I'm having a hard time getting, you know, getting grasping it that I can, you know, I can walk away anytime. And, uh, that's just, it's, it's kind of hard to believe. So what makes you not walk away? You know, we've always said we want to get our son done with school. So like I said, that'll be done next May. We'd like to have Three million in in the market, you know, with the cash and everything too. Then that would be where we should, we really need to sit down and go. Okay, we're ready to do this. So you know, when you work your whole life, it's hard to go the other way. It's not like we spend twenty five thousand a year. You know, we we spend pretty good. So you know, I guess I'm just nervous about, or not nervous, but it's kind of the unknown. You know, what happens if the market goes down a ton again? So it's just. Like I said, that's where I've changed my asset allocation to try and be ready for for things like that, and you know, all the sequence of return risk and that type of thing. So yeah, we're I think we're there, uh, but we just don't like to have a little more in our investments. And I, and I hope I'm not turning into one year one more year syndrome type of guy. You know? Well, it's hard. It's hard. I think it's probably hard to do it, especially with yeah higher net worth and high income. It's hard to walk away from that. You know, and we don't feel like our our net worth is that that big. I mean, I know it's over four million, but it it almost doesn't seem real. You know, we've just been grinders our whole life and still been having fun and doing a lot of things. You know, I we go to a lot of sporting events and, and you know, a lot of entertainment type stuff. And, and uh, so that's that's the it'll be it would be strange not having a paycheck coming in. So when you were in the middle of it, the ups and downs, the job bosses, the struggles, this and that, kids, all those things you just mentioned. Did it feel like it was moving slower than you wanted it to? The net worth needle, the passive oh, yeah. income? Yeah, yeah, especially in my 30s. And um, even after we hit a million, it still felt slow. You know, it just, it's like, are we ever going to get over to 2 million? You know, because you start looking at how much you need to live on. And and I know you can, you can be really frugal. And it's like, I don't want to live a life that way. That's not how I want to do it. So it's just a matter of, um, yeah, just we've just kept grinding. Do you remember 4.2 now, as, as we've said, do you remember what age you were for each of those million? Best guess? I think we are late 30s, like 39 when we hit a million. It was somewhere right, right around there. Maybe we were in our early 40s. And, you know, you know I look at net worth, but I'll, I also look at just my investments. And I know I hit 2 million just. Um, right before COVID, I think it was right around there. So, um, so you've doubled in the last year and a half ish. What's that? You've nearly doubled net worth in the last year and a half or so year and seven months. Yeah. I mean, the way the real estate has gone, that's just been huge increases. And, uh, and of course the stock investments as well. Yeah. Pretty amazing. You know, I look at my bond investments. It's like some of them are down over the last year. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> in the market would really be flying now. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now you mentioned your kids, teaching your kids to put in more in money into investment accounts and to do this and to do that. Yeah. Are, are they interested in this stuff? You know, they are. Uh, when they both turned 18, we opened Roth IRAs on their birthday, put money in, their own money in, and, and then we matched some of it. You know, I think my son has, a, I know he had a Robin Hood account. I think it's a TD now, maybe. Um, and, and, and he's, he's been dipping his toe into crypto and some other stuff and playing with that. My daughter, again, she's 24 and I challenged her. Um, I said, you know, it'd be nice for you to have a net worth or have a hundred thousand dollars in investments by the time you turn 25. And she did it when she was 23. So I was really super proud of her for that. You know, that's just, just setting her up for life. She's putting it away, putting it away early. Did you but yeah, that's something any- we talked about. Yeah, totally. Did you use any special vehicles, the 529s or ESAs, to pay for college for them? Yeah, we used a 529. There's a Washington account that we used. And um, matter of fact, I'm just looking at the balance of it right now, and it's it's about three thousand dollars. So we've been, <laughs> you know, we've been spending it down as as the kids have gone through school. So there's one more year left, and that'll we'll get that that three grand will be gone when I write the next check for tuition, and then we have some money on the side just in cash to help pay for the rest. Totally. Have you had these conversations with your kids where your net worth is and what your investment strategy has been over the years? Yeah, it's kind of something that as they've gotten older, we wanted to make sure they they knew about it. You know, we went and did an estate plan and kind of brought everything out then and, and um, you know, just made it clear for them kind of where we're at. It, it, it was really interesting. We had a, uh, we were all together. I think it was in Arizona, actually, in May. And I said, you know, what if I don't leave any, what if we don't leave any money to you guys? And they both looked at us and said, you know what? We're going to make it on our own anyway. So it doesn't really matter. And quite frankly, I was shocked. (laughs) That's got to be rewarding though to hear from kids, John. It was really cool. It was really super cool. I mean, for my parents and with their, the inheritance I got was like 30 grand. And I look at it for my kids and go, wow, they're they're self-sufficient. You know, we wanted to raise them to be self-sufficient, to be good adults, to run their own lives, you know, and, and that that day with that conversation really made me feel like we, we did something right. You mentioned that you went and did an estate plan. How long ago did you do that? And was that the first time that you visited any planning, that financial planning that way? Yeah, we really hadn't done much financial planning. We, we met with a financial planner years ago and I figured I kind of figured out I can do this on my own just as easy. At, at that time, I think even the market was going down. I thought, well, I mean, if somebody can lose 20% in the market for me, I can do that on my own. <laughs> so, um, and then as our net worth grew, it was, you know, we had a will all the time, but we needed to make sure we had everything else in order. So we we found a really good estate planning attorney to... What were some of those conversations like when you first met your wife and, and discuss these. I know you, earlier in the in the conversation, you you mentioned that you've killed it that way, and your wife's been an integral part of this. How did you know that that was going to work out for you and and, and be in such a favorable scenario for you? Well, at, at first, I used to joke that I, I told her, "If you don't have real estate, I won't marry you." And uh, and so she, you know, it was funny because she bought the the condo, the rental that we have now before we got married, and I always laughed about that because. It was, you know, I was just joking, but actually was a a wonderful move on her part. And we had a lot of conversations about, you know, not being in debt. I had a little bit of debt before we got married and I paid it all off, you know, before we were married because I didn't want to bring debt to our marriage. 
And and she was really probably smarter with money in those days than I was. And, and then she kind of wanted to be hands off and I kind of got into it. So I, I did a lot of studying, a lot of reading, you know, watching TV shows and podcasts, and getting my hands on everything I could to, to figure this out. So it was, you know, and she's trusted me the whole time. And it's, it, but she, but she was really the base. She's, you know, just, just a wonderful woman. And like I said, I'm really blessed to have, to have found her. How much debt did you guys have? Uh, before we got married? Yeah. You said you had a little bit of debt. Was that like oh, student I loans? Like, I, no, no, I didn't have student loans. My parents paid for my college. I was fortunate there. I went to a state school. It was what we call inexpensive now. Um, I had about $12,000 of, of living too, too large. Um, so I paid that off. Um, you know, that was back in, uh, back quite a long time ago. So, you know, 20 something years ago, that, that was, uh, that'd probably be like 30,000 now. So it was, it was a little bit of a, bit of a push. Um, you know, she taught me about paying off your credit card every month. So you never pay interest. And it's like, well, I've never paid interest on a credit card since I've been married to her. And, um, so there were some little things, you know, we discovered the book, the millionaire next door and that, that I got through that and that really kind of set us up and got us going. Wow, John. Well, great story. It's fun to chat. And, and I know you shared a lot of advice, but what would your advice, you know, being somebody, are you, let me ask you this first. When are you going to retire? <laughs> I get asked that a lot. Um, <laughs> my wife is, would like to retire in two years. And then I think she want, would like me to work a little longer, but I don't know if I want to do that. So um, probably the next couple of <laughs> years, two, three years. So we've probably only interviewed, I don't know, a couple handful of, of millionaires that have either retired or are close to retired. So if you could give advice to somebody who's in their 20s or 30s and starting off, what would your overall general advice be? You know, my advice would be really try and keep your spending low on just everyday things. Um, you know, if you're single, have roommates, don't buy fancy new cars. You know, still have fun. Go do stuff. Have a, have a good time. But just be, you know, spend money on things that you really love. Always make sure you're you're investing every single paycheck, every single month. Um, it'll seem like nothing at first, but the next thing you know, you're 40 and you go, wow, I have a million bucks, <laughs> you know. Um, but just to keep doing that, like I said, week after week or month after month, however, whenever you get paid, um, just keep doing it all the time through good and bad. Yeah, well, you've obviously done it, and congrats on your success. So again, everybody, that's John, net worth of $4.2 million and rising, right? Keeps going up here. So thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled Podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.